0: Hello and welcome to today's online event about the European Green Deal, where we're going to be asking how the German mineral water sector can contribute. My name is Dave Keating. I'm a journalist based in Brussels, and I'm coming at you live from the heart of the EU quarter. Now here in Brussels, the Green Deal is an overarching policy framework that's really being instituted in all areas of policy right now. It was the first major policy of Commission President Ursula von der Leyen when she took office in December 2019. Since then, it's provided the framework, in theory, for all EU policy from the budget all the way to global trade. So of course, all types of different industries and sectors are asking what will be their role to play in this policy framework. Today, we're going to be talking about the German mineral water sector. In many ways, it's in an advantageous position. It's a natural product, and it has a deposit-based system of reuse, refill, and recycling of the packaging. At the same time, as with all beverages, there are concerns about sustainability. So today we're going to learn about the various initiatives that the sector already has in place and what actions it can take in the future in order to play its part in the Green Deal goals. Before we start, a few housekeeping notes. You guys are gonna be able to ask your questions using the Q&A feature on Zoom. It's down there at the bottom of your screen. You can go ahead and type those in. And also there's going to be interpretation provided both in English and in German. So to turn that on, you just wanna go to the interpretation button at the bottom of Zoom. It's a globe icon and you can switch to your language of preference. So let's get started. First, we're going to begin with a video explaining some of the existing initiatives in this sector.
1: Natural mineral water is a natural product of the highest quality and original purity. A treasure of nature that German mineral water companies wish to preserve. Protecting the climate is one of the most important tasks in this respect. The increasingly noticeable effects of climate change have made ambitious climate protection goals a necessity. Effective climate protection cannot be taken for granted. It entails high ambitions and investments. German mineral water companies do not want to wait until 2050 to prove they have lived up to their reputation as pioneers in sustainability and environmental protection. With its Climate Neutrality 2030 initiative, the Verband Deutscher Mineralbrunn, Association of German Mineral Water Producers, is accompanying the mineral water industry on its path to achieving climate neutrality by 2030. Some mineral springs in Germany are already providing a good example with climate-neutral operations. The goal is for the entire mineral water industry to take the path to climate neutrality by 2030 and to achieve a climate-neutral carbon footprint for natural mineral water. Emphasis is placed here on the effective prevention and reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, as well as the complete compensation of the remaining emissions along the entire process chain of mineral water as a natural product. German mineral water companies have always operated sustainably and sparingly in their use of natural resources, which are also part of their livelihood. For German mineral water producers, active climate protection, means both protecting water as a resource and investing in the future.
0: So that gives you an idea of what's already in place. Let's hear more about what's in store. I'd like to introduce our two co-hosts for the keynote presentations that we're going to start with. First, let me introduce Dr. Karl Tech, president of the German Mineral Water Association, VDM. Dr. Tuck. Yeah, okay, Uh, thank you, Dave.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, dear colleagues from the German and European uh, natural mineral water sector. On behalf of the German Mineral Water Association, VDM, and approximately 200 natural mineral water producers in Germany, I would like to warmly welcome you together with our partner, the cooperative of the German mineral water company, GDB to the first event of the German mineral water sector at the European level, today still in a digital format. Moreover, I would particularly like to welcome the representatives of the EU institutions who are taking part in the online event today. A special welcome goes to Jutta Paulus, member of the European Parliament, who will participate in the panel discussion later on. I would also like to extend a warm welcome to the other speakers. With the European Green Deal, the EU has has presented an ambitious plan to become the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. Ecological, economic, and social issues are combined. The focus is on the well-being of people and the preservation and improvement of livelihood. These are aspirations and guidelines with which the German mineral border sector identifies itself just as strongly and which we are reflected in its responsible actions and understanding of sustainable business. The sustainable food production, preservation of biodiversity, as well as climate and environmental protection are common goals. In today's debate, we would like to discuss the Green Deal as a specific contribution that the German mineral water sector is making already today and also wants to make in the future towards a sustainable economy. In this context, I'm very pleased that the cooperative of the German mineral water companies, the purchasing and service organization specialized in packaging solutions for the sector is not only our host partner for today's event, but at the same time is jointly pursuing with us the achievement and sustainability goals we have set ourselves. Before I address our goals and activities, in particular, with regard to the climate protection, I would like to illustrate some basic about the unique product natural mineral water and the German mineral water sector. In Germany, around 200 small and medium-sized mineral water companies, most of which are family-run, supply people with natural mineral water and medical water of the highest quality from around 800 sources. More than half of the natural mineral water sources registered in Europe are located in Germany. With around 12,500 employees, the natural mineral water sector is an important employer in the German food and beverage industry. Particularly in rural regions, mineral water companies that, uh, thus, contribute towards regional value, value creation. They are also drivers of positive economic development and the attractiveness of rural areas. The natural mineral water, with its high purity and quality, makes a valuable contribution towards healthy and balanced diet for the population. Even in times of crisis, such as the current coronavirus pandemic, natural mineral water is a reliable partner for ensuring basic supplies. People in Germany cover around a third of their daily hydration requirements with natural mineral water. Mineral water producers thus make a significant contribution towards supplying the population with vital drinkable water resources of the highest quality. Water is our most valuable uh, commodity. Water is life, and without water, there is no life. As guardians of the mineral water sources that are entrusted to us by the state, we, the German mineral water producers, see see it as our primary task to protect the valuable water resources and to provide the vital resources of water in sufficient quantity and quality for all future generations. Natural mineral water has its origin in protected natural water reservoirs lying deep in the earth. It is the treasure of nature that the German mineral water sector sector wants to preserve. For the mineral water section, sustainability is not just a buzzword and certainly not just lip service. The German mineral water sector takes their social responsibility seriously and have always operated sustainably. It is part of their DNA, part of their livelihood. In fact, Natural mineral water is part of the natural water cycle and may only be taken from sources which regenerate themselves in a natural way. In the field of packaging, German mineral water producers also make an active contribution towards environmental protection with a refill and circular system that achieves a rate of rat, of almost 100 percent. The high collection rates shows that the systems are used responsibly by consumers. Packaging systems operated by German mineral water producers do not contribute to littering the oceans or the environment. Ladies and gentlemen, the increasingly noticeable effects of climate change have made ambitious climate protection goals a requirement. As a sector, we do not want to wait until 2050 to continue to live up to the pioneering role of the mineral water sector in terms of sustainability and environmental protection with the natural product mineral water. Natural mineral water is already today the product with the lowest carbon footprint among the food and beverage industry. But we as sector want more. Some mineral water producers are already operating in an exemplary climate neutral manner. As shown in our short video, our goal is not only for individual companies, but for the entire mineral water sector to take the path to climate neutrality by 2030. To this end, the German Mineral Water Association, together with the cooperative of the German mineral water companies, launched the sector initiative climate neutrality 2030 at the beginning of this year to support the mineral water sector on its path to climate neutrality. By 2030, the entire process and supply chains, scope one to three of the bottled natural product mineral water is to be made climate neutral. This is effective avoidance and reduction of 2 emissions taking priority. Today, I would like to strengthen this commitment On behalf of the board of the VDM, after our most recent deliberation, we decided to support the 1.5 degree target of the Paris Climate Agreement and to recommend the approximately 200 member companies of our association on the suppliers to align their reduction targets consistently with this target and to pursue ambitiously and effectively the path to climate neutrality by 2030, at least. This means this as a sector we have, we even would like to go one step further. Climate change is indeed one of the greatest challenge of our time and protecting the climate, one of the most important tasks. We need for action by individual companies and higher tax sectors of the economy, it's high. Effective climate protection must be tackled ambitiously by all actors and it involves investments for all companies. Medium-sized family-run mineral water companies depend on planning and investment security, stable political framework conditions, at European and national level. We rely on European water and climate policy that aims to protect all underground water resources from negative environmental impacts and threats from climate change. Hence, the European Green Deal is on one hand the guiding principle for the effective contribution of German mineral water sector To a sustainable economy and ambitious climate and environmental uh, protection goals. On the other hand, the Green Deal is an important framework for the protection of our basis subsistence. Now, I look forward to exciting impulses and lively discussions. I wish all of us an informed afternoon. We would We are pleased to continue our exchange after this event today. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you.
0: Okay. I'd next like to introduce a speaker from our other co-hosts. It's Marcus Wolf, chairman of the board at the Cooperative of the German Mineral Water Companies. Mr. Wolf, uh, you want to unmute yourself? There you go. Thank
4: you, Dave. It seems better now. Yes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, also from my side, a warm welcome to our digital debate today. From Dr. Tuck, you have already learned a lot about natural mineral water and the German natural mineral water sector. So, you might ask yourself, what role does a second branch organization, the GDB, play alongside the association in the German mineral water market? You can find the answer in the structure of our sector in Germany. The German mineral water companies are almost exclusively SMEs, the majority of which are family-run. GDB has the legal form of a cooperative and, as this, we are the purchasing and service organization of these companies. Almost all mineral water companies in Germany are members of the GDB. As a cooperative, we are therefore initially a trading company. Put simply, we buy in large quantities for our members and thus realize prices advantages. This principle is known in many European countries. You know it, for example, in agriculture or in wine growing. We also offer services, for example, we check the quality of the products, we buy them at a level that individual SMEs have difficulties to achieve. On behalf of our members, we develop quality standards, we define them together with the partners in the supply chain. In addition, we are responsible for the management of the largest reusable system in Europe but more on that in a moment. As a cooperative, we are also a community of values. Many corporations and SMEs are currently being asked about their purpose. They are confronted with the question of their social responsibility and governance. As a cooperative, many of these questions are already anchored in our corporate structure. Our members form a unit, capital funds and customers. Democratic principles of decision-making and control are anchored as governance principles. The promotion of individual, partly competing members through joint action is a guiding principle of our action. In other words, much of what is described in models of stakeholder value is traditionally found in a cooperative. So it is hardly surprising that this principle as a form of company is once again highly topical. There is a wave of funding cooperatives in Germany. We can clearly say in the age of sustainability, the cooperative idea is more modern than ever. This is also visible in our reusable and circular systems. We have been operating these systems not only since sustainability and circular economy, the pool bottle for natural mineral water that is still on the market has been introduced in the year 1969. 97% of all German consumers know this bottle and. Identify it with natural mineral water. It is protected as a European brand and a symbol for successful usable packaging. The long existence of this system shows the sustainability is part of the DNA of our industry. Reusable glass bottles are filled up to 50 times today. If they are made of PET, they are filled up to 25 times. The principle of the reusable pool system that we use goes even further. The approximately 180 members, company of the GDB, work together with standardized bottles. Let me explain what this means. If a natural mineral water or a soft drink is filled into one of our pool bottles in southern Germany and sold in northern Germany, the bottle does not need to be transported back. Instead, it goes north to the nearest company that uses the bottle and is refilled there. This is highly efficient in environmental terms and at the same time very successful. In addition, it is a principle currently very modern again. Many young startups On all continents are currently experimenting with sharing economy models. We can say very confidently this is what we are practicing since more than 80 years. Part of the history of the creation of the pearl bottle is that it was not planned as an environmental but as an economic model of success. In the year 1969 the aim was to work as resource efficiently as possible in order to be economically successful and over the decades this has not only proven to be an economic and ecological model of success rather it was also a success in social sustainability our reusable pool system guarantees the success of many small and medium sized beverage manufacturers in competition with global players. In other words, we see in our system a successful example of sustainability in all three pillars, environmental, economic and social. Our circulation systems for single use bottles also have an excellent environmental performance. The return rate for bottles is around 99%. Due to the German deposit system, the proportion of recycled PET in our PET cycle system will increase to 75% this year. This means that in the year 2021, we will already have three times the output rate, the single use plastic directive required from 2025. But it goes without saying that we cannot rest on this success. We have new challenges. The greatest challenge is to save our planet from the reversible climate catastrophe. We we want to make an active contribution to Europe becoming the first climate-neutral continent. To this end, we as an industry have set out together to achieve carbon neutrality. How clearly the sector is committed to this goal is clear from the voting results in the GDB for this project. 100% of our members voted for the path of carbon neutrality. Last autumn, in the wake of the ongoing pandemic, and thus also in an economically very tense situation, 100% of our members clearly signaled we are going this path together and will make the necessary investments. The Green Deal formulates a major goal. Europe shall become the first climate-neutral continent on our planet. We would like to start a debate with you about this today. What is our contribution to this? Where can we improve and where is it worthwhile to share our know-how with others in Europe? In this sense, today's event should be a prelude to hopefully exciting and successful conversation. Thank you very
0: much. Thanks very much. We're going to move on to the panel discussion part of today's event now. So let me introduce now those panelists. We have with us today, Jutta Paulus, uh, who is a German Green MEP and a member of the European Parliament's Environment Committee. We have Stefan Sipka, policy analyst at the European Policy Center. We have Clarissa Morawski, CEO of ReLoop. We have Udo Kramer, Managing Director at VDM. And we have Tobias Bielenstein, Director of Public Affairs, Sustainability, and Communications at GDB. Welcome everybody to today's discussion. Let me start out with a question for Jutta Paulus, we've heard already uh, what the German mineral water sector has been up to. What do you think is the best way for this particular sector to contribute to the European Green Deal?
5: Yes, thank you very much for inviting me and thank you very much for the for the introduction. Um, I think what we really have to take into account that the Green Deal is not only about climate neutrality. Of course, climate neutrality is the underlying issue, so to speak, and it's also the most quoted one, um, because um, it's it's the the most obvious challenge for our society. But um, having spoken with the BDM before, I found out that they are already very active also on biodiversity issues, which I think is very important, and also on nitrogen um, because, of course, they have to protect their their resources, the, the water which they want to sell, and therefore they're being active on um, protecting the land that is covering the the water resources and whereas climate change has received a lot of attention the same is unfortunately not true for the biodiversity crisis and also for the nitrogen and phosphorus biogeochemical flows so i'm very glad that um, the association is already taking action there but of course more is always better so i would really like to see more of this um, because that's I said, so urgent and also so overlooked. Um, I would like to focus a bit on circular economy. You know, we have the zero pollution week right now, the EU green week. And um, as has been mentioned already in Germany, the recycling quotas are rather good, about 90%, which is much better than in other EU member states. The European Court of Auditors found that um, a rising share of single-use water bottles is going to waste. And um, but what I really would like to know, how is the association working towards the target of recycled content in the bottles? Because um, a study by the plastic industry says that 75, uh, 70% of the bottles are, produced from pure virgin plastics, and we have the EU Directive 2019-904 in place that says that 25% recycled content should be present in PET water bottles, by or bottles as a whole, by 2025, and a target of 30% would be, um, have to be achieved in 2030, so it would be interesting to know how the sector works towards these targets, and also how the sector works towards an increased share of um, multi-use bottles, because single-use bottles, even if recycled, are always a waste of energy and material. Additionally, they usually are transported for longer distances, so we have um, these emissions being added to um, to the emissions which come from manufacturing. And as a last point, as said, Zero Pollution Week, I think it would be very important to um, take a close look at the additives which are present in the plastic water bottles. Of course, no one uses bisphenol A nowadays. That's um, old stuff, so to speak. But do you really know what the additives which you're using now are doing? Um, Is there a complete safety assessment? For example, the ECHA, the European Chemical Skills Agency, is rather overwhelmed with assessing all the dossiers they have to take a look at. And um, so I would like to give the recommendation, have a look at the SIN list, which the NGO ChemSec has drawn up using the ECHAs data. So it's not just drawn out of thin air, they're using the data which was submitted to the ECHA housing Helsinki, and they made their own list saying, okay, this will eventually come on the ECHAs tables, there will be restrictions, better act now. And we have seen examples for this in Denmark already, so um, that would be a very important point. And one last point on climate change. I would like to know what are the, the actions of the sector when it comes to um, mobility? Because of course, water has to be transported somewhere, somehow, and um, the transport sector is one of the most challenging when it comes to becoming climate neutral. So I would like to know what incentives are, or maybe what requirements do you, um, You give to your logistic partners in order to make sure that also these emissions will go down eventually and rather sooner than later. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Jutta. So several questions there for the sector. We'll get to that a little later. Particularly, we'll talk about this issue of the recycled content in the bottles. Let's next turn to Stefan Siepke. Uh, So Stefan, you are involved in looking at EU policy and EU policy frameworks. What kind of EU policy framework do you think is needed to maximize the potential for sectors like mineral water to contribute to the Green Deal?
6: Thank you, Dave, and uh, happy, to, happy to provide my reflections on the topic. Um, first of all, I would say that, uh, I mean, the Green Deal already provides a fairly good uh, overarching policy framework for the green transition, including also to making our water sector uh, more sustainable, uh, including the, the mineral water sector. I would just briefly also uh, map a couple of initiatives of relevance to this uh, uh, topic. So climate action uh, as already mentioned is is important. And uh, I mean, in, in that sense, it's important for the mineral water industry to contribute to it, but also it's important to protect water itself from global warming. Then we also have zero pollution uh, agenda, which is important simply because it can, it it will contribute to protection of our water from from pollution. Uh, It's also linked to the potential reuse of wastewater uh, for our industrial purposes as well as agriculture and so forth. So that also reduces the pressure on water. But uh, also we have the biodiversity uh uh agenda also as, as mentioned by uh mr uh which is again linked to also protection of our uh, freshwater systems as well as our oceans uh we have the farm to fork strategy uh which is already a, a holistic strategy that is uh, trying to make our entire food system more sustainable which is a new thing in the eu policy landscape and uh, then of course the water and the beverage products play, play a role in that regard as well. But this can also support, uh, may uh, um, also contribute to, to protecting our uh, fresh water uh, reserves for example, by removing uh, necessary additives or potentially polluting substances in our food. Uh, last uh, but not the least, uh, we have the circular economy. And uh, then we talk about again. We can talk about water and preserving in terms of resource efficiency and how to how to um, use our available water in a in a best possible way or to minimize its use if possible for different activities in production processes, agriculture, and so forth. But when you talk about the mineral water, it's uh, it's about packaging uh, very much, and it's uh, how to actually um, uh, minimize. The environmental impacts of uh, water beverage products across its life cycle. So, uh, be it production of packaging, also the use phase, and also then the end of life phase. So, how to recover it, how to reuse it, how to recycle it. Uh, I think a lot of these uh, objectives are already in place. Of course, one can ask for more, one can, one can ask, uh, go for more ambitious targets. But I would say that now it's very much about implementing what has been promised by the European Green Deal. So um, it's uh, it's matching the European Green Deal ambitions with what is happening in practice. I think this is very important, given that also we don't have the EU level only involved in the decision-making, we have the member states themselves. It, 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 it can become quite complex how to actually reach, achieve the targets uh, because there are different actors and different practices, different systems. And uh, this is, I think one of the biggest challenges to implement it to actually also contribute so that the mineral water sector can also contribute to greater sustainability, climate neutrality, resource efficiency and so forth. I would just say that indeed the mineral water sector has a role to play in the green deal, but also that there is a role for the green deal to play in actually safeguarding our freshwater uh, reserves. Uh, I would just say that as an introductory remark, and of course, happy to to to, to discuss uh, further.
0: Thanks, Stefan. So just a reminder, you guys at home can pose your questions to the panelists by typing them into the Q&A at any time. Uh, Clarissa, let's turn to you next. So you've been working with the mineral water sector to reduce environmental impact. Tell us about what ReLoop is and how can smart waste policy reduce the environmental impact of beverage packaging?
3: Well, thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here with you all today. So first of all, ReLoop is an international not-for-profit organization that brings together both the industry, the NGOs, and government uh, to come together with a common vision of circular economy we believe that if we can get all of these stakeholders together we have an incredibly powerful group that can influence policymakers. and that is sort of our working model so we work a lot with different stakeholders when it comes to smart waste policy starting to say that smart waste policy is in great demand not only from consumers, but we're also for the first time, I mean, I've been in this business for 25 years, really feeling the pressure from the brands. The brands are really starting to step up, play a role in lobbying government for good policy. Now, when I say good policy, I'm talking about policy that establishes a level playing field, allows companies to be competing at a maximum level, while at the same time, stimulating green innovation. And when I talk about, you know, good policy, I'm talking about policy that in the case of mineral water beverage packaging, whether it's reusable or recyclable, it's about getting a maximum amount of those bottles back empty so that they can either be recycled once, twice, up to eight times for PET plastic and much higher for cans or glass or whether it's being reused, it can get back and be recirculated as much as as was mentioned earlier, 40, 50 times for glass and about 25 for PET. So what does that look like? So a lot of what we've seen over the last four years with the circular economy package coming out of Europe are very good indications of what that smart policy means. And I say this because the policy is introduced and we really start to see systems changing. So let me give you an example. The first one is a focus on design. We are seeing across Europe a requirement for recycled content in plastic PET bottles. Now, we also know that um, this is going to be difficult to achieve for some jurisdictions, but not in jurisdictions where you have a deposit return system like in Germany. And we also know that other jurisdictions are going to be introducing deposit return across Europe. We ran some calculations because we have some data and it showed that Europe is on track status quo to collect about 1.8 million tons of available pet for recycling by uh, 2020. That amount will almost double to about 3.2 million tons of available pet that's going to be collected because so many European countries are moving towards a deposit return system. And the assumption is even with those numbers, we weren't calculating that they'd be as as successful as Germany at 98%. We were assuming 90% because that is the target which has been imposed on the beverage sector for plastic bottles at least. And that comes out of the single use directive. Um, Another one is designing for recycling. So we need to put an end to beverage packaging that is not recyclable. And we're already starting to see some movement in this direction in the packaging and packaging waste directive, where we have something called the essential requirements. They're currently being amended and they will be much more strict in terms of what's allowed to be sold in Europe and what's not. For example, putting a packaged good, like a beverage container, on the market in a non-recyclable container will not be um, legal moving into the future. The other thing we've seen about small smart policy is extended producer responsibility. It's been in place for a very long time in Germany, but it is starting to spread across the rest of the Europe. What was Perhaps in the past, like in many Eastern European countries, a minimal obligation for producers, which really didn't stimulate any great programs to capture back the material. We're looking at now a minimum requirement of 50% uh, financial contributions towards EPR programs, which basically means there's going to be more money in the pot to set up good systems to collect more material back. And if there was, set up a proper deposit system so we can easily get 90% back. The other interesting piece that's coming in is that there's more financial pressure on bad actors. And when I say bad actors, I mean those actors that are not designing their packaging properly, that they're not um, contributing to systems that are highly effective. And that's because the single-use directive will be chart part of the extended producer responsibility costs will now include not only collection, transport, processing, which in some countries did not include all of those three incredibly expensive stages, collection being the most expensive, usually 70% of recycling costs. But it's also going to include paying for the collection of litter. And this will be an extremely high cost for those brand owners who have packaging that is not being collected successfully. So it really starts to level the playing field from a cost perspective in what used to be a situation where a brand owner could get on the market, put out a package, not pay a lot, and that package wasn't being recovered to one where you will be more successful financially in terms of lower costs if you are part of a really good robust system like we have in Germany. And EPR is also being upgraded. It was most recently uh, re, there was an amendment added to the Waste Framework Directive, which required more transparency, more auditing, more monitoring, more full cost accounting from producers. So there's, it's gonna be a lot harder to have a free ride. It's gonna be a lot harder to um, underreport, and all of these kinds of things that we've actually seen happen, not only in European, EPR programs, but in other countries as well. And finally, the question of targets. Targets are critical in setting the standard for what a group of brand owners must achieve. And we're seeing a lot more targets being introduced in the last three years. Like I mentioned earlier, 90% for plastic beverage bottles up to three liters, including caps and lids, but also on the recycling side, that's a separate collection for recycling target, But also on the recycling side, we're seeing targets of 75 and 85% for things like glass. Um, We're seeing a lower target for plastics, but still very challenging to meet. That's all plastic packaging because we've also seen a better recycling calculation being introduced. One that does not include a, a lot of weight of materials that aren't recycled. So we've seen a lot of change Uh, We think that it's going to really push the industry to properly manage their packaging. And certainly if you can run an industry and sell a package that you're getting back over and over and over, and whether it's, if it's reused, great, reuse it as much as you can, ensure that you have logistics efficiency, make sure it gets recycled at the end of its life, but also on the recycling front, mineral water bottles should go into closed loop recycling and that should be an imperative for the mineral water sector. And there should be absolutely no ability for a country to attempt to meet the 90% target by extracting dirty bottles out of residual waste, which some member states will try to do. We have to set up programs that are treating the material in a clean way so they are easily recycled back into food grade packaging. And I think with that, I'll end. Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot, Clarissa. That's quite interesting what you were saying about how brands and companies are really pushing policymakers for these solutions. Because as you point out, sometimes it can be uh, quite profitable and quite uh, advantageous for the company, particularly uh, deposit schemes. Udo, let's turn to you next. Um, How is the German mineral water sector working on Green Deal goals right now?
7: Thanks a lot, Dave, and warm welcome from VDMA here again. Um, I think we have four main areas of, of activity uh, that I would like to extend also on what Dr. Tuck already explained in his keynote. Actually, it's, it's climate, uh, sort of the atmosphere. We have biodiversity, stressed by MEP Paulus, and, which is life. It's, it's the biosphere. We do have uh, then basically where our resources come from, which is the water cycle, uh, so the hydrosphere, and and in the end we also have the whole material flow in terms of packaging, notably. And um, I will be brief on that because this is a matter of expertise of, of GDB actually. Um, so what are we doing, and what are the um, members, the companies doing? Uh, on climate uh, neutrality and climate um, uh, protection. Actually, we have launched this initiative um, that was um, already announced um, jointly with GDB in order to to accompany the sector on its path towards climate neutrality by uh, 2030. And we have even reinforced it by committing to on um, uh, supporting this 1.5 degree target. And um, this uh, has a number of measures uh, to reduce emissions. Um, first of all, so there are um, renewable energy projects. There is a uh, constant uh, improvement in energy efficiency uh, since since a long time uh, going on in, in the sector. And um, also, for instance, to to take up a question already asked by Jutta Paulus, um, I mean, we have a decentralized structure um, in place in Germany, so the mobility matter is um, is not uh, such a um, huge issue, maybe, but uh, still, there are um, also uh, attempts to to move from from road to rail. This, I think, should also be mentioned in that context. So um, um, we. Have a number of companies who, who have already formulated their targets for or are climate neutral for their product for their for their sites, and um, we uh, try to, to get also the full picture with all members and notably lots of SMEs, um, and and therefore we have um, we're defining a roadmap which includes especially uh, guidelines for these companies but also we're developing a monitoring so we can um, we can also provide um, information to the public uh, and to the policy arena on on how the progress is being made so secondly on biodiversity we we have to um, we have to say I mean, this, this is um, in our DNA, as, as also was, was um, outlined by, by Dr. Tuck. It's a clean nature is what, what we need uh, to, to have um, uh, clean water. And therefore, um, numerous members are also taking action uh, to protect biodiversity, uh, jointly with partners around, around their catchment, um, potentially also elsewhere. And um, we are currently um, starting a survey uh, to, system, uh, to have a more systematic uh, overview and get more data on this, which might also help um, and to provide some best practice uh, for, um, for other companies. So, thirdly, the water resources, we're really um, relying, uh, I think, uh, on, on the public side here. To a certain extent, in that measures are really taken to um, to protect uh, the resources from from um, intake of um, of, of uh, actually um, harmful substances, um, and at the same time, we are obviously also guardians of, of the sources. So we we need to uh, to ensure that. Um, um, the catchment areas are kept um, are kept clean and uh, that um, and, and we are sort of we have a t- detection of, of, of these um, matters um, so we can also link and feedback uh, where there might be problems and um, this is um, a request actually we we have to formulate and that might include also looking at how water groundwater is used and and um, Taking up what uh, Stefan said, uh, so possibly to have a look, uh, if if wastewater cannot be used for certain purposes, why does all the groundwater have to be um, sort of digged out to to be used as fresh water? So with that, I would um, um, I would just um, close up by saying that um, the, the the packaging. Uh, to to me seems to be a a vital uh, topic for for the coming time. And it's certainly a European sensitive issue. And we might come back to that in, in, um, in other questions.
0: Thanks a lot Udo. Let's turn to Tobias next. Can you tell us a bit about how reusable bottle systems are currently contributing to the Green Deal goals and what might be possible in the future?
8: Yeah, well, thanks Dave. Um, well, there, there would be a quick, easy answer, um, which is um, reuse uh, systems contribute um, um, to the green deal because they have a significantly lower carbon emission if they are used consequently. And um, this is definitely um, um, something we know for many years now, but, And the real and long answer is far more complex, because if we think about reuse systems, um, they are embedded in a um, rather complex system because it's a game of retail, gross retail, the producers, and in the end also of consumers kind of, cooperating in an invisible way um, in order to, to guarantee um, um, the, the continuous flow of bottles. Um, and this is very important. And, and we tend to overlook this um, because in, in Germany, we're pretty much used to it. And then if I come to Brussels and being asked, I had to realize um, and, um, we need to explain this. Um, it's really um, an interplay. Secondly, It's not only reuse, it's actually a smart mix. So if we talk reuse, we have in Germany glass reuse and we have PT reuse and we have PT circular systems. And if I say it has to be a smart mix, I mean, we need the right packaging for the right consumer situation um, in place. Exactly to the needs of our consumers. This can only be realized, and um, if we think about it as a complex um, smart mix. And Clarissa already mentioned it um, that um, um, DRS is crucial in all this. So if we don't have a um, deposit return scheme in place, it wouldn't work. And and somehow we can say we are pretty lucky in Germany that it was introduced um, um, and relatively early compared to other countries um, in, in uh, Europe, but we might talk about some flaws later on. Um, there is also something to learn and, and if I look to other European countries, um, that's a very interesting um, development there. So that's number one. Number two is um, and, and Markus Wolf um, um, touched on that already. It's a system, um, um, if we talk, think about our pool system, and by the way, the bottle here you see behind me, that's, that's actually the pearl bottle everybody knows in Germany. Um, this is the backbone of our small and medium scale companies. It's a very important part and um, Jutta Paulus asked, um, and Urukema and also in part answered that question about the transport. And, and part of these pool reuse systems, are uh, they have a significantly shorter um, transport. And if this is mixed with an SME structure, and you might say we are a lucky country in Germany because we have this variety, this diversity of mineral water sources, but we are using it also we are applying it by having those many companies. So this is pool system, small companies, short transport, again, uh, systematic um, um, advantage we have here. Number three, and um, this is actually something where I see an interplay between the Green Deal and what we are doing and the other way back. The Green Deal is asking and demanding from us to become more innovative. And I will tell you a story that happened to me almost two years ago when I visited one of the biggest um, 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 manufacturers of of filling machines for beverages. And I had a talk with um, the the, the chef chief engineer there and he said, I have to tell you something. It's so exciting. I'm now here for more than 10 years and look, I have my first innovation project for a refillable filling line. And I said, what? 10 years? And that's the first innovation project you have here? And I can tell you, the Green Deal asks us to think innovation in packaging. We tend to say our systems are pretty good, but I can tell you here within GDB, we're having really good discussions um, and with our partners in the supply chain, how to become better now. And there's a lot to do. So again, transport, it's also a matter of transport from the um, maker of the bottles to the initial filling. We can be but much better. The filling lines, there is a lot of to do. And if you say, look at the investments currently done here in Germany by many, many of the SMEs, this is a huge step forward. Um, so, Innovation driven by um, the goal of becoming greener and lower our carbon emissions is very important. And last, because Jutta Paulus mentioned that, and there is a clear intersection between the the, um, um, part of recycled content in a bottle. Um, Actually, um, Markus Wolf also uh, mentioned it briefly in our pet cycle circulation system, we are heading for 75% RPET content this year. So we are four years up front of what um, the single use plastic directive is demanding from us. And this is also part of the solution. And the same is true for our reuse systems. So we introduced a uh, 30% RPET bottle this year in reuse. We are raising also the um, share of recycled materials in our glass reuse bottles. It's also part of lowering emissions. So all this becomes together a huge um, 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 step forward, but it's reuse systems. And we have to think about it in systems, which means it's an ecosystem of different players interacting. And that's something um, which we always have to observe if we discuss our reuse systems and our pet circular systems. I think I'll leave it with this.
0: Thanks, Tobias. So I want to pick up on something you said there. You noted that Germany was pretty early with its deposit scheme, and that uh, Germany has had a lot of successes in this area. Jutta Paulus, let me put it back to you. Um, how, how do you assess where Germany's situation here is compared to other EU member states? And are there lessons that can be learned in Germany for things that didn't go so well? <laughs>
5: yeah thank you very much i think what we what we can um transfer let's put it like that to to other member states is that deposit schemes work if you have a deposit scheme in place um your recycling quota will just go up naturally because um people are not willing to waste money and even if i mean that's not something i really support but a lot of people that are in need of money actually go to the bins and look for bottles where which they then collect and bring back to the to the shops where the recycling stations actually are and thus they are more or less collecting the deposit which other ones were too lazy to deposit to, to get back. So deposit scheme is I think paramount if you want to achieve good recycling quotas and that's something that can be easily transferred. Also, what I think would be very important um, to implement to all over Europe, not only within Germany, um, that a, a multi-use bottle system is of course easier to implement if not every single company has their own bottle form. Um, when I was a child, we still had mineral water in glass bottles, which can, as we have heard, um, be refilled much, much more than plastic bottles. And there was the, the um, I don't know whether it, this English phrase even exists, the, the classical pool design, because all mineral waters came in the same bottle shape so it was very easy to repurpose a bottle even if it did not go back to the original filling station because you just had to take off the paper wrapping and then you could just refill the bottle with your own water so um, having having a, a unique bottle design would also of course be helpful especially when it comes to, to multi-use and um, also I think I mean Germany has always been a bit, well, let's call it very enthusiastic on collecting and separating waste. I know that there have been psychological studies on that. I will not go into detail, but we have not really looked at uh, what happens with the waste after collection. I mean, when we take the the plastic bottles, of course, we have heard of the fantastic quotas of 90% going, actually being being, um, collected but um, at the same time, a lot of this, the single-use bottles, even if they are collected, are downcycled after that. And of course, what we also have to, to take into account, um, even if you design your bottle very carefully, your plastic bottle, you will always have um, some fragments being brushed off, um, being lost to the environment. I mean, that's thermodynamics, you cannot change that. And um, the microplastic and nanoplastic issue is something that can even not be assessed by our best scientists. If you look at the planetary boundary report um, by the Stockholm Resilience Institute, you have these nine planetary boundaries where um, biodiversity, biogeochemical flows, um, and, and climate change are the ones that are most overstepped. But when you look at the planetary boundary novel entities, meaning chemicals, plastics, genome edited organism, there's only a question mark because the, even the scientists cannot assess the long-term impact. So, um, although of course glass is more heavy than plastics, I would really like to go back to the good old glass bottle because um, we have a much lesser impact on the chemical side as compared to plastic production. And of course, that would be very challenging now that everyone has gotten used to carrying much, much um, more lightweight bottles um, up his or her stairs to the flat. So um, yes, my question would be, does the the mineral water industry see any future of using more glass um, as compared to today? Thank you.
0: Clarissa, I'm curious to get your kind of international perspective on this. What do you think are the main lessons that can be learned from Germany's experience that can be applied in other countries? And also, I'm curious to get your reaction to this nostalgic idea about going back to the glass bottles or maybe just going back to a a standardized type of bottle. What what is your uh, take on that?
3: So uh, just the first one is on the standardized bottle um it is absolutely the way to go as a canadian uh we have a standard beer bottle which has been used for 70 years it's the brown beer bottle you can google it it's called the industry standard bottle same idea extremely efficient from a logistics perspective because any of the brands based on location can take the back wash them and refill them and they're designed in a way for longevity Absolutely a glass bottle that is reused many, many times and is uh, delivered through efficient logistics is a great way to go. Um, It is important to note though, that glass production per liter is for single use is quite heavy on in terms of emissions. So that's why reusing glass bottles is critically important. We can also reuse plastic bottles, not as much but they have a lower carbon footprint in terms of liters Uh, on a leader basis. Um, The experience in Germany is a unique one at a global level. Germany has the most successful deposit return program in the world, and it's the largest deposit return program. So you get the benefit of scale, and it's also one of the most sophisticated in terms of technology. You have every single retail shop taking bottles back, The vast majority of them are taking them back through machines, they're clean, they're sexy, they take refillables, they take non-refillables. This is absolutely unique. So Germany stands as a model for the rest of the world and politicians and system designers should be coming to Germany to see how it's done. Now, there are some elements of the German model that are maybe not applicable in some countries, but at the end of the day, it's about convenient access a high deposit and making sure the material stays as clean as possible, gets washed and refilled or gets recycled. So um, we are at a critical moment. The next few years, we are going to see at least 10 member states in Europe transition to a deposit system. We believe that it is critical that the deposit system includes glass, plastic and metal. And in many jurisdictions, we're finding that glass is maybe not, is going to be introduced in the program. That will make it very difficult for a member state to pick up the reusables, to see reusables rise, that, that market share that is declining at a global level. Every single member state is seeing a decline in refillables Um, except Germany is the smallest decline. Everywhere south of the equator, we're seeing a decline in refillables. It's bad news for the planet. It's bad news for carbon. But the only way we can see refillables increasing and real circular plastics and circular single-use glass and metal is a highly uh, efficient and effective deposit system. It's the only way. And it is only at that point When we can get nine out of 10 containers back through a deposit system, that's when the economics will prevail for reuse. That's when it starts to make sense to reuse because if you're not getting at least nine out of 10 of of your expensive assets back for reuse, it's not a good economic argument. So we often say reuse is great. It should continue and it should be done well but you can't reuse unless you're getting at least nine back, nine out of 10 bottles back. And the only way to do that is to have a deposit system on single use and multi-use. Build it and they will come because the economics will support it. The standard refillable, that is a no brainer. Brands need to realize that they may be giving up a unique bottle shape that they think is so important for marketing, but today, Consumers want the greenest possible bottle and you can get that marketing marketing advantage through taste and through your label. Don't worry about the bottle being the same as your competitor's bottle. That would be my message.
0: And concur with what you were saying. I lived in Germany for a little bit and I actually found it really fun to bring the bottles to the store and get (laughs) the money. So it is is kind of sexy in a way. I miss it here in Belgium. Um, Stefan, I wanted to ask you a question. I think we've heard so far that it continues to be somewhat of a difficulty to get recycled pets. Uh, So how do we improve the access situation at EU level, when we're designing an EU framework for this, how do we improve the access to recycled pet for the natural mineral water water sector in particular, uh, and and in particular in Germany?
6: So, uh, I mean, there already is this kind of a framework as, as, as mentioned, but it needs to be uh, supplemented by additional uh, action in this regard. And uh, I mean, you have, there is a packaging directive that is already an old piece of legislation recently updated and uh, that precedes the green deal itself. And then we have, of course, the, uh, the SUP, but if we talk about, uh, if we focus on the packaging itself, it, I mean, it's, um, the rules themselves can be transposed by member states so that is an issue Uh, um, it's important to have uh, extended producer responsibility implemented in a in a in a a proper way and to establish the infrastructure to be able to take back the systems i would say the deposit refund itself can be used for that purpose depends if the the, if if the bottle is reusable Uh, if it's reusable, of course makes sense to reuse it, but uh, it can also be used to bring back bottles into the whole recycling uh, to close the loop. Uh, I mean, in case of Germany, we hear that it's, it's a good example of a closed loop system that basically that there were the um, take back uh, system um, is, 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 is very high and that's very important notably to reduce uh, pollution and marine litter uh but then more can be done also in germany but also looking beyond at the eu level now uh i would say that um when we just wanted to also reflect on the deposit refund scheme i think it's a very good approach to recover end-of-life um uh, packaging uh and we see it also in germany but of course uh the devil is in the details uh and it it's it's easily said and done to implement it in different member states and other countries in the world. The deposit refund system is highlighted in the packaging directive, but of course, it's not mandatory uh, by the EU law. It depends on the member state itself. And then there are a number of member states that are using the depo- de- uh, deposit refund system, such as Germany and Denmark and Sweden, Finland, uh, Baltic countries, uh, Lithuania, Estonia. And um, it uh, i would say that it's it can be complicated uh, how it actually works this kind of an interaction between the stakeholders different stakeholders involved as mentioned before for example who is in charge of the vending machine uh, who takes care of it who who pays for it who handles it uh, uh, is it the retailer is it another central body authority like in denmark or in lithuania is it or something else. Uh, uh, So it it can be complicated or you need to have a certain kind of a clearing system in the end, Uh, you need to avoid fraudulent behavior. So uh, um, I would say that it's a very good system but if it's put in place in a proper way and also just to say, as long as it doesn't create a lock-in effect, as long as it still ensures that reusable bottles are reused and they're not used to be recycled uh, 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 later on. So we need to always prioritize reuse before recycling and depository refund systems needs to be designed in a proper in a proper way that being said you can also recover uh, um, uh plastic packaging and pet uh, in different ways and for example you have belgium which uh, which has still quite high recycling rate of plastic packaging in general and i think it's still on top when it comes to packaging in all packaging uh, compared to other other uh, eu countries Uh, and this is done with via extended producer responsibility system and uh, so i mean i think it's important to have a very clear role of different stakeholders because the epr is there in principle but in practice you have different stakeholders like municipalities and producers and the producer responsibility organizations uh, and uh it's not always i think that's an issue it's not always clear who is in charge of what and there is of course a very strong informal sector especially in certain regions of europe like eastern europe as well as southern you have a very strong informal sector which then you don't know what happens with this waste and uh, also it's very difficult to keep track of it Uh, so i would say that um uh introducing uh, a proper like this requirements also mentioned by clarissa before requirements on the epr on the fees is very important to actually uh, inject proper funds to make to establish the infrastructure to make it running and also competitive compared to informal waste uh, management um, channels it's important to improve enforcement and uh, that is Mainly the the responsibility of the member states themselves, but it's simply something that has to be done to counter the informal waste management sector. Um, so it's um, then we also have um, one thing also wanted to mention is the the whole eco-modulation scheme at the and the Commission uh, at the EU level that is further to be developed, but that can also be an important system to incentivize uh, producers uh, to to design better products and plastic packaging uh, simply because the fee will vary um, based on that and uh, uh, another important uh, thing is that now the the new let's say plastic levy or uh, or the uh, uh, eu's own resource, we can call it plastic tax informally is now in place which can incentivize recycling it's an interesting uh, instrument uh, it it it's basically it reduces uh, 80 cents a levy of 80 cents uh, for a kilogram of, uh, of of um of plastic packaging which is not recycled which means that the member state needs to pay this to to the eu uh if if uh, if the if if the plastic waste is incinerated or, or 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 landfilled or or god knows what what happens to it if it's not recycled basically so um this is up to member states to see I mean, it's a sort of an incentive To 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 introduce new rules to improve the recycling and the take back of end of life packaging, including PT bottles now, of course, there are of course challenges who will be paying this this levy at Member State level will this be producers or the taxpayers, in principle, I would say that it's important to go back to the producer. Because the producer is the one who is designing the packaging and we always need to go back to the the design phase and the business model itself with the aim to reduce the impact of of packaging itself when it's when it when it is needed. Uh, So uh, it's uh, in a nutshell, I would say that that is uh, one thing is also the monitoring itself. Now we have the statistics uh that basically show that some countries are perform very well but we know that there is for example a powerful informal sector there and that infrastructure is really not in place but we have high recycling rates so we need to improve the monitoring itself uh otherwise it will get wrong a wrong picture and we will not be able to design our policies in the best um, uh, possible way there are a number of measures to be done uh, to be to be implemented by the eu in collaboration with the member states to actually ensure the take back and recycling of plastic packaging, including PET bottles, I would say.
0: Thanks, Stefan. Okay, I wanna take some questions from the audience now. We have a question for Udo Kramer. It's from Lara Fitzka, who's a VDM member. Uh, Due to VDM's climate targets, are there any consequences for members who don't achieve the preset goals, uh, e.g. climate neutrality by 2030?
7: Well, thanks for the question. It's interesting because we had the same question when we launched the initiative uh, in the press conference at the beginning of the year, and it's obvious we, as an association, um, are not in the position to impose anything on individual companies. That's that's not the the purpose. It's uh, it's the own entrepreneurial decision to to take action, but um, we see, I think, market forces also um, driving developments and. Um, There is maybe a similar exercise uh, that I would compare this to is is the the ongoing um, work towards a code of conduct under the farm to fork strategy, which is uh, being launched by the Commission, we just uh, have seen the the first text draft yesterday and. um, So um, no, we we're talking about self commitments, but we have to say in our uh, general assembly, we had an. A large majority in favour of that uh, of that decision to accompany the members towards that
0: goal. Uh, we have another question from the audience for Tobias. Do you have any figures on the costs of managing deposit schemes for reuse between the different materials? Which is most cost-effective? Question for Tobias.
8: Okay. Um, yeah, very good question, and actually, it's something we've been asked more and more in recent months, especially from neighboring countries. So, so, there looks like there's some interest in the cost structure. And basically, the answer is um, we have a, 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 a huge study which is actually 15 years old, um, and we just recently reviewed it, whether the the results um, are still valid. And and the result is actually that um, um, our pool system with the standard bottle is the most cost-effective packaging system for middle-scale mineral water companies. Um, Compared to that, um, the costs um, for PT reuse system, are higher. Um, and here is, is um, and the, it's, it's um, more investment in technique uh, needed and, and um, pet circular systems are right in between um, these two extremes. So, so this was a very clear result. It's confirmed that um, those results are still valid. We just um, finalized the study in April. so um, it's, it's most recent. And again, Um, such an average um, result um, could um, differentiate uh, or be different in other countries. As I said, it depends also on the structure you have within a
0: country. Clarissa, did you want to come in on that?
3: Yeah, I did. I mean, I think it's really important that you know, you understand the components of cost. Deposit return for single use containers. They generally cost for a plastic bottle somewhere in between two and five cents, depending on the size and depending on the color and maybe depending on some other design features. That's kind of typical across. So we're looking between two and five cents per unit. When you're talking about, and cans are even cheaper, but you always have to factor in as a producer, what are the costs of buying raw material? What are the costs of buying new containers? And if you have a reusable, you know, you're know, you getting it back over and over. So when you're comparing the costs of deposits for single use and the cost of refillables, you have to consider the purchasing price of buying new containers. That's a very important distinction to make. And I see Tobias is nodding. So I'm glad that you are.
8: Yeah, well, we, we all know what happened in the recent months. I mean, well, the price index went up for 45%, and in such a situation, you're far better off if you have a packaging system in
0: place which could be reused. That's a very simple answer. So I want to get, so we're just about out of time. I want to get some quick concluding remarks, but one minute each from each of our panelists. I, I want to hear from you guys. What's your key takeaway from today's conversation? Uh, you to Paulus, let's start with you.
5: Um, I think my key takeaway is that uh, the sector as such is on a good pathway already, and that they are also addressing SME um, SMEs and the the different um, the different challenges of their members. I think that's very important, and it's also very important to have this this dedication, saying that we have, as I heard, one hundred percent of the members pledged to become carbon neutral. And um, but I think that we have to look at the the elephant in the room, so to speak, because um, if we are look if we are um, concentrating on growth all the time, then naturally we will use more resources at the end of the day. Because no um, uh, a growth without resource use is for me um, an oxymoron, which is not feasible. And so I think what we really should reflect on which business model are there that are not depending on ever-lasting growth and on ever-spreading out to other markets, which are naturally farther away than the markets one has already um, achieved. Um, the, in the in the Q and A was this example of San Pellegrino water being imported to Germany, um, where we have wonderful mineral water. I don't really understand why people even order it at the restaurant. It's some weird stuff about lifestyle, but that's something that um, in a climate neutral world will not be possible to have this huge um, resource consumptive energy intensive, not as a single, um, not as a single trip, of course, but as a sum way of of life that we are, well, valorizing so much in the industrialized countries and sometimes forgetting that um, 90% of the world's population even don't have these choices that are so difficult to give up for us. But that's something very philosophical and would go far beyond this webinar. Thank you.
0: Stefan, what are your key takeaways today?
6: I would say that uh, the challenges are still high, but uh, we I think we are ending with a note of optimism in a sense because um, we have the policy framework in place, generally speaking, but we still need to implement it. We have good cases like in Germany of systems uh, like deposit refund, refund schemes and closed loop that actually are um, managing to recover, uh, uh, to collect end of life packaging, to recycle it, to reuse it. And this is an example, and something that could be then potentially applied or explored. Uh, possibilities could be explored to, d- to this be applied um, uh, in other in other countries. So I think it's a good, a good. Um, there are some good initiatives in place, but of course still more more to come. I think we need to have a, a sort of a holistic perspective. I, I also very much like to, uh, to focus on the circular economy. I think it's very important when it comes to the mineral water sector and I think, uh, but I think also that we simply need to look at it from this a, a different mix of policy initiatives because that are, all relevant for the water sector and the mineral water sector and as I mentioned uh, the biodiversity the climate action the, the zero pollution itself the food systems and uh, as uh, Tobias mentioned the code of conduct is something very fresh and very interesting to look at uh, and there is a role for mineral water there and there is a role of this initiative to protect water and mineral water uh, itself and um, uh, I think it's also we, we touched upon uh, whether we use glass or plastics for packaging I think we simply need to, to look at the particular case while following the life cycle perspective and we need to look at science and to try to just see what are the impacts across the entire life cycle and then make a decision by taking consideration resource efficiency uh, carbon reductions and so forth um, so yeah this would be the most important things. Uh, ensure that we implement what we, what we promised, try to be more ambitious to think of this kind of smart ways like deposit refunds and to be implemented in a smart way and try to look at the entire life cycle of the product, including beverage, uh, beverage products. Great.
0: Thanks, Stefan. Clarissa, what's your key takeaway today?
3: Well, I think a key takeaway is that we have to be aiming for more than 90 returns of bottles, whether they're reusable or non reusable, that is the key, we need to ensure that the quality of the material that's coming back, whether it's glass, or whether it's plastic is top quality, sorted by color, so they could go right back into new containers. Um, And I want to stress this fact, today, you can't just collect bottles in a blue bag system that might be mixed in with other bottles that are cleaning products and use them as food content PET that is not allowed. So we need to work for better collection systems like deposit return that deliver food only containers that can go right back into recycled content bottles, this is critical. Uh, We are really limiting our supply of good quality pet throughout Europe if we're trying to pull bottles out of fairly dirty mixed collection systems. So that's a really important piece. Mechanical recycling offers the best bang for your buck in terms of carbon reduction if you're using single-use plastic and chemical recycling does not offer anywhere near the same bang for your buck in terms of um, carbon emissions. So The bottles that are being produced in plastic by the mineral water sector are excellent PET for circular recycling over and over and over. Do not downgrade them by putting them in a chemical recycling stream. It's more expensive, it's more costly, and it's more risky. And um, finally, just to say, I've been working in Brussels for four years on fairly progressive legislative pushes. The Natural Mineral Waters of Europe Association has been a real leader in Europe. They have um, stepped ahead of the commission in some cases and gone for targets and goals that weren't even legislated at that point. So just a congratulations to your industry. They really have stepped up their game over the last four years in terms of policy. And I'm quite happy about that. So congratulations. Thanks, Larissa.
0: Uh, Udo, what is your key takeaway?
7: Yes, thanks. Um, I think um, it's quite interesting to see that the whole debate confirms our our analysis and also our claims, I would say, towards the EU institutions, which we do have, and in particular from a a national perspective, because, and I would like to to use the opportunity just to, to show three pictures here. Um, because we had a little technical issue, and this will be recorded, and I would be happy to, uh, to have that in, in, the, in the run here. So, first of all, I mean, we do have a great product. We have uh, it, it provides healthy nutrition. Um, it, it's sustainable from the outset. There is, um, there is the protected uh, layer where, where natural mineral water comes from, and um it's um it's just um sometimes awkward to see that um that this is not being reflected in in public discussions and then secondly we we have to see that there is an internal market there is hundreds of natural mineral waters and and operators uh, and the structures are maybe different so uh, you see that easily from from looking at this map of um, of georeferenced sources uh, that we have um, a very uh, diverse structure in Germany and and this and, and also in other countries um, and this gives um, gives rise to um, to also taking into account differences and this comes true becomes true notably when you look at packaging and the discussion showed it again that um, we, we want to, to be more vocal and we want to, to spread more the message what uh, the systems already deliver in Germany and also other countries who, are, uh, who have invested in, in, in systems because we, um, we are also um, affected by EU legislation and we have had the experience that there are rules that are not fitting really for, for German um, for German uh, um, the German environment, uh, take the example of, of, of the caps that are to be tied to the, to the bottles. So um, within Germany, we have um, a strong basis from uh, all, all regions. We, we do have really an SME sector that provides also economic and social stability in rural areas. And all these measures we want to um, bring forward much more in the future and this is why we look forward to the, uh, to the continuous dia- continued dialogue um, uh, also um, when hopefully we can meet
0: again, thank you. Thanks and finally Tobias, what's your key takeaway today?
8: Well, I think almost everything has been said. And as the packaging guy, I think I won't add too much um, to what's said already, but we started talking about biodiversity and also as this being part of what our industry does in protecting their sources and their environment. And I think that's very important. So, so maybe as a final insight, it's, about sustainability. And that's not only about packaging, it's much more. And I think um, it's important not to forget if we talk about our mineral water companies and what we do here. And I think I'll leave it with this.
0: Great. Thank you, Tobias, and thank you to all the panelists for some great insights today. Thank you for following along at home as well and asking some great questions. Uh, I think there's a lot to reflect on here in terms of how we go forward with the Green Deal, particularly for this sector, but I know I certainly learned a lot more than I knew before about the sector during this conversation. Uh, So thank you all for following along, and I wish you a great evening.